Well, good evening. We're starting a new series, just a very short series, but a series that I developed a few weeks ago called Powerful Proverbs for a Pandemic. It seems like everything about 2020 has been a pandemic, and we've needed wisdom in the middle of that. Well, the first one is going to be an obvious one. The Proverbs that we need to look at tonight have to do with washing your mouth, the use of our tongue. You know, if we look at the Proverbs, it says a lot about wisdom and about how we use our tongue. And if we would learn how to use our mouth in a way that displays wisdom, it would save us a lot of heartache. It would guide our decisions. It would control our actions and our reactions to what is going on around us, how we respond. If somebody says something that pushes our button, how we respond if somebody posts something that we just want to attack. If we study the Proverbs, it'll bring the temperature down in the room to the level of godly wisdom. And the wisest man that ever lived wrote these words. And so if God considers him the wisest man that ever lived, it would be good for us to learn wisdom from Solomon. These are not words that are found in a, uh, some kind of coffee cup or on a label or in some kind of fortune cookie. These are truths that are short, memorable statements that you and I can teach our children and our grandchildren and are easy for us to remember because there's the, there's the contrast of the way you use your mouth in the wrong way and the way you use it in the right way. Somebody wrote this 20 years ago, 20 years ago. If we have technology, but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. And boy, if that was true 20 years ago before Twitter and Facebook and everything else, it's certainly true now. So let's kind of break this down. The Hebrew word proverb means comparison or brief, pithy, ethical saying. It, the root of the word means to rule. In other words, root words rule and govern our lives. Solomon targeted the simple person, uh, the young person. He wants them to learn to discern. In, in other words, he's trying to say to us as parents, as grandparents, as believers, whether you're a young believer or an older believer, or you have children or grandchildren, or you're a teacher, or wherever you are, guide young minds into wisdom. Teach them to have wisdom. Any knucklehead can spout off, but it takes a person of wisdom to know when to speak and to know when to be silent, to be able to wisely discern a situation. The word simple, when he talks about this, a word to the simple, it, it means naive. No, no one left to themselves ever becomes wise. We need others to speak into our lives to know God's wisdom. It, it can mean gullible or unsuspecting. 
people you know that believe everything they hear. It doesn't matter. You know, oh yeah, that's right. And they turn and it's somebody saying just the opposite. Oh yeah, I agree with that. And they hear somebody else and they say something else. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. They have no ability to discern because they lack wisdom and then they speak foolishness. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 22 and 17. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Now the words we listen to are either man-centered or God-centered. They're either humanistic or they come from a Christian biblical worldview. They're either our wisdom or the foolish, foolishness of others or the wisdom of God. And in the first few verses of Proverbs chapter 1, we see three key words regarding wisdom. Wisdom, first of all, comes from discipline. Discipline or training in character. We train, we build, we discipline our character. Secondly, wisdom gives us understanding. The difference between wise and foolish, right and wrong, good and bad. And thirdly, wisdom is revealed in prudence, which means the fruit of discipline leads us to think and act and speak maturely. Now here's a thought I want you to hang on to. The issue of this day is that you need to learn wisdom before you have to use it. You don't get wise in the moment. Wisdom comes before you get there. So we have to train our children in the ways of the Lord. We have to teach our children a Christian worldview so that when they speak, they speak wisdom and they're just not regurgitating the words that they've heard from a foolish world. It's estimated that the average person speaks 25,000 to 30,000 words a day. A lot of that is just hot air. There are over 100 references to the tongue in Proverbs. There are positive and there are negative. Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to give thought to what we say. Proverbs 12, 17 and 18. He who speaks truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. So let's talk about the power of words. In a time like 2020, when the lies and deception and anger and hatred and vulgarity are spewing out of the mouths of so many, it's good to remember that the younger generation, the simple, the naive, are learning to speak these words by the books they read, the shows they write, 
the music that they listen to, and the movies that they watch. And when certain language and certain thoughts and phrases and derogatory statements become acceptable in the media, then it becomes acceptable in school, in home, in the church, anywhere else. The tongue's a small instrument, but it can do a world of damage, according to James, the book of James. James speaks about the tongue. Jesus talks about the tongue and how we use our tongue to edify or destroy, to speak evil or to speak truth. Words definitely matter. What we say or who is speaking matters. It, it matters if you're talking about the issues of the day, the pandemic, the financial markets, politics, education, social justice, law enforcement, respect for authority. And too often, because of social media, which I'm on, but I hope I have enough sense to use it with wisdom. Sometimes I haven't. But too often in 2020, we've hid behind a mask and behind a computer to spout off our distrust and our anger rather than thinking about that we will be judged according to God's word by what comes out of our mouth. Because what comes out of our mouth is coming out of our heart. Dr. Jeff Ray said, be nice to everyone because everybody is having a hard time. The scripture calls us to a standard of truth. And when we decide that we want it to be truth in one area, but we want to shade it or hedge it in another area, that we want it black and white in one area, but we want shades of gray in another, we are on a slippery slope of relativism, and then relative thinking starts coming out of our mouths, which means foolishness is coming out of our mouths. Proverbs 6.12, a worthless person, a wicked man is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. Proverbs 10.31, the mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom, but the perverted tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverted. Now, when you think about the use of the mouth, the Bible tells us that God spoke creation into existence. He spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. He, he spoke to Moses as a man speaks to a friend. Adam spoke and named the animals, and Satan spoke and deceived Adam and Eve. So words have power. They build up or they tear down. They heal or they hurt. B.F. Westcott said, every year makes me tremble at the daring with which people speak spiritual things. And an unwise use of the mouth is to say, God said, or God told me, or God led me, and God's nowhere in that. In other words, you've borne a false witness against God, and you've called God to your preferences or to your lies, and when you use God's name that way, you are using it in vain, and you're using it foolishly. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount about the gospel 
being wisdom. Everyone who hears these words and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I just have to be honest with you. Inside and outside the church, I don't see a lot of wisdom. I see a lot of foolishness, and I see a lot of opinions, and I see a lot of people that have got a chip on their shoulder and have an axe to grind and have a finger that they want to point at somebody, but I don't see a lot of wisdom. You know, wisdom is what you get from a person when you sit down with them and you say, I need to tell me, you to tell me what you think about this, and they wait a minute. And they pause and think about it. That's what happened with me, with Warren Wiersbe, or with Vance Havner, or Ron Dunn. They just weren't quick to spout off something. They'd go, oh, I need to think about that. Let, let me get back with you on that one. Or, or they'd say, you know, the word says, Marshall McLuhan, in the 1960s, okay, so we're talking 60 years ago. Marshall McLuhan in the 1960s, long before internet, social media platforms, 24-hour news cycles, said this, media are not just passive channels of information. They supply the stuff of thought, but they also shape the process of thought. It chips away at my capacity for concentration and contemplation. I think what McLuhan would say today is, turn the TV off, turn off social media, and pick up your Bible so that you can contemplate what God says about how you and I need to speak. Secondly, there's a problem with words. Words are used, as I said, for evil, and for good. The tongue reveals the heart. The book of Proverbs deals with several problems that are revealed by our tongue. These are things in our heart revealed by our tongue. One is deceitful flattery. Deceitful flattery. Oh, you just, you just look wonderful. And then you walk away and say something else. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates those it crushes and a flattering mouth works ruin. That's the person that will tell somebody what they want to hear, not what they need to hear, or will flatter somebody so they can get ahead. The second one is slander. Proverbs 10 and verse 18. He who spreads slander is a fool. In the Old Testament, slander was a... a, a bad report in general. It meant to defame or strip someone of a positive reputation. For instance, the ten spies, when they went to spy out the land, the promised land, brought back a bad report. What that means is they slandered God because God had said the land was theirs, and they brought back a report and said, we shouldn't take it. You see, when you say you're speaking for God, when God has already spoken, and he's clearly spoken, and you come back with a different word, you're slandering the name and the character of God. In the New Testament, the word slander 
is made up of two words, one meaning against and the other meaning to speak, to speak against. And by the way, let, let me just say here, just because it's true doesn't mean you have to say it. But, but it's true. Well, there's a lot of things that are true, but it doesn't mean you have to say it. You know, you could be quiet in over 130 different languages. You and I should try that sometimes. It would save a lot of angst and lower our blood pressure. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Let no, and he means no, no means no, unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. That's a good word for today. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember, these, he's talking about words. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all, all means all, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You want to know what revival looks like? Revival, personal revival, looks like Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. How I speak. My tongue has been baptized by the Holy Spirit, and I speak the way God tells me to speak. The third one is lying. Of course, we know that Satan lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. He's the father of lies. Now, here's how you can lie. You can leave out the truth that's, or part of the truth. That's what Satan did in the garden. Or you could stretch the truth. By the way, lying's one of the things that God hates in Proverbs chapter 6. Exodus 20 and verse 16, you shall not bear false witness. Here's a thought. You can't rely on a liar. Colossians 3, 9, do not lie to one another. The Greek there is in a negative form that literally means stop it. Don't do it. Why? Because it is the natural tendency for us to lie. It's a part of our old nature. Proverbs 1, uh, 12, 22 tells us that lying is an abomination to the Lord. A lie is a statement contrary to facts with the intent to deceive. That's why if you go into a court of law, you raise your right hand and you put your hand on the Bible and you say, I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Why? Because the court does not want you to deceive. Tell the truth. David Hawking said, our character is what we are in the dark when no one knows. Your reputation is just what people think you are, but your character is what God knows you to be. The last one is gossip. A gossip reveals secrets. You know, the problem with telling somebody something and you say, I need you to keep this as a secret, they do, 
and they, they don't tell, but they're 40 of their closest friends. And they tell them, now, I've, I swore that I would keep this a secret. I need you to keep this a secret. You know, and a gossip and a lie and flattery, all these things can spread around the world a thousand times for the truth can get there one time. Proverbs eleven thirteen, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. The message paraphrases it this way. A gadabout gossip can't be trusted with a secret, but someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. Gossips stir up strife. They sow discord. They sow distrust. This is what happened in 1 Corinthians. You had all these divisions in the church. Why? Because of people's tongues. Proverbs 16, 28 in the message, troublemakers start fights, gossips break up friendships. Gossips destroy lives. They can kill a church. They can break up friendships. They can cause anger. The former senator, Edwin Muskie, said, do not speak unless you can improve on silence. Whew. Boy, there's a word for the White House and my house and your house and everybody else's house. Do not speak unless you can prove on silence. Thirdly, biblical principles related to our words in the note sheet that's on our app, Jimmy Draper said, our words are a reflection of what we are. Our careless, rebellious, critical, and blasphemous words keep us from experiencing God's power in our lives. When he touches our hearts, our words will change because we will change. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. And if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. And the Lord gives wisdom, for his mouth, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. The, these truths, Proverbs 2, 1 through 7, give us great things to stand on. He says, if, verses 1, 3, and 4, then, verses 5 and 9. If you receive, if you listen, then God will give you knowledge and he will give you wisdom. Wisdom doesn't come by osmosis. It's not automatic. God is saying, I'm here. I'm ready to give you wisdom. But you're going to have to quit telling me what you think and listen to what I say. So here's three questions. Question number one. Am I receptive to what God says? Or do I approach God's word looking for loopholes? Am I receptive to what 
God says? Or do I want to argue with God? Or do I want to say, I, I don't like that. I, I, I don't think that's true. I, or, or that's Old Testament. Or that's, are you receptive to what God says? Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. That's the New Living paraphrase. You see, what occupies my mind occupies my mouth. You know this old little saying, sow a thought, reap an act, sow an act, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. Am I receptive to what God says? Number two, am I responding like a believer in Christ? The Proverbs say, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Am I responding to li like a believer in Christ? When something comes up, I'm watching the news. I'm hearing a conversation. We're sitting at the table. Thanksgiving's coming up. You're going to have an argument with somebody in your family because someone's got to spout off. It's coming. And you're going to be carving that turkey and think, yeah, I just really like to just... It's coming, but am I going to respond like a believer in Christ? I like this acrostic from Alan Redpath. It, it's, it's a great acrostic, and you should write it somewhere in the front of Proverbs in your Bible. Think, it's the word think. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? Now just think about that. Is it true? You know, I'm about to say something. Here it comes. I mean, it's welling up inside. It's just about in my throat. It's about to roll off the tip of my lip. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? That acrostic right there would stop most of our arguing with one another. We could disagree without being disagreeable. We could impart wisdom without trying to inject our opinions if we would just think. Proverbs 30 and verse 14, there is a kind of man whose teeth are like swords and his jaw teeth like knives. <clears throat> well, you see this everywhere. You see it in politics, you see it in education, you see it in white collar, in blue collar, in entertainment, in sports. Can I just encourage you, if you're going to say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, don't be that person. Don't be that person. I, I watched a guy on I was channel surfing the news uh, this morning, and I watched a guy on TV who, who, who is a host of a TV show. I won't tell you which one. But he says he's an evangelical Christian, and he was fussing at evangelicals about the way evangelicals act and about the way they talk, and then he used profanity. And I went, Seriously? You're fussing at somebody else 
but you're not showing wisdom in the way you speak. You're saying you're a believer, but here before millions of people on this program, you're, you're popping off profanity as if it's no big deal. So folks, listen, if profanity can roll off your tongue as a believer in Jesus Christ, don't be surprised if your grandchildren quote you, if they use it. The New Living in Proverbs 17, 27 says, A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Verse 28, Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> you know, that guy's really smart. I really thought he was smart until he started talking. And then I thought, he's not very smart. Does it represent Christ? Third question, am I resolved to be Christ-like? Not only does it represent Christ, but am I, if, if I'm falling down in this area, am I resolved to be Christ-like? Verse 4, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for living, as for hidden treasures, Chapter 15 and verse 28 in the Living Bible. A good man thinks before he speaks. An evil man pours out his evil words without a thought. So here are four statements. And you can just write down the key words. If you want to look it up in the app or on our website, you can get the notes. But each one of these has three or four or five Proverbs listed beside it. But for sake of time, I'm just going to give you the key thoughts. Am I resolved to give wise counsel and sound advice? Am I resolved to give wise counsel and sound advice? Not what people want to hear, but what's wise, what they need to hear. Secondly, am I resolved to reprove that which is not of God and exhort others to follow God's plan? I just reprove, you know, you're wrong. The Bible would say you're wrong. How do I exhort them to follow God's plan? And that could be on any issue of life, how we treat others, our marriage, our family, how we raise our children, how we're involved in our society. Am I resolved to reprove and exhort in the right way? Number three, am I resolved to find ways to encourage others? Am I looking for ways to encourage others? Because I want to tell you, everywhere you turn, there are people who are discouraged. We need to lift them up and encourage others with our words. Number four, am I resolved to use my mouth to witness, teach, and comfort others? Am I resolved to use my mouth to witness, teach, and comfort others? Boy, if, if we had these kind of areas of resolve in our life, the difference it would make. And can I tell you, if you're not a Christian, you, you can't do this. I know Proverbs is an Old Testament book, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to control your tongue and your heart so that you can respond and act and react and speak the truth 
in love, in the right way. I need it every day. You need it every day. And if you don't know Christ, then you need to use your mouth to say, Lord, I need you to wash me from my sin. I need you to cleanse me from my sin. I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me and to change my heart and to change my life. I promise you, if you speak those words, he'll do it. If you confess with your mouth, the Bible says, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you shall be saved. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I thank you for the wisdom of Solomon and of the Proverbs. I pray that you would use this message to change our conversations, to change our tone, to change our dialogue, our debates. Lord, we need you to step in and show us how to use our mouths for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.